The Money Show. Other people's money. Some people can get away with just using a first name. There's Beyonce. You know Beyonce. You know who Beyonce is. Jay-Z can get away with using um, two letters. And that's not Jacob Zuma. Uh, by the way, I mean, that uh, that, that would be the, the rap artist. Um, Adele. There's only one Adele. There are millions of Adeles, but only one Adele. And there's only one Rico. And I'm going to call him Rico because I'm going to, I've been practicing his name all day. And I think each time I've pronounced it, I've pronounced it differently. Rico Charhel. Close? Rico? He's not talking hi, to me. Hi. <laughs> I thought you had gone to speak. Either you didn't know I was talking to you because I'd, I'd mangled it so badly. Um, or um, you just, yeah, you were just not talking to me because you were cross. Um, where does Shachel come from? Where does the name come from? Uh, it's originally Austrian. Okay, very good. pronouncing Hel- it pretty well, actually. Dankeschön. Um, uh, you are the artist, the brains, um, at least part of the Brains Trust behind Madame and Eve, and just so much else in cartoonery in South Africa. Madame and Eve must be coming up to its 30th birthday, surely, by now? Yes, uh, in May this year will be 30, oh, yeah, 30 years. Yes, we started in May 1992 uh, back in the then uh, Weekly Mail. Um, and I mean, and it was three of you. Um, there was you. There was Harry Dugmore and Stephen Francis. The the three of you collaborated back in those days. Yes, that's right. Yeah, we came. Um, Stephen Francis actually came up with the. I, mean, I started uh, doing illustrations for the Weekly Mail, and then they were looking for a cartoon strip. And then Stephen Francis uh, had the brainwave of the setting, and then we developed it. And then Stephen and Harry were initially doing the writing, I was doing the artwork. And then uh, Harry went more, we sort of had our creative agencies, so Harry did more of the business side of things. And then he went to off to do his own thing, and then Stephen and myself since then. And, and I mean, is it still a collaboration? I mean, is it still, um, this is what we're going to do, you deliver these pictures, here's the text, or, and do you, do you talk about the text at all? Because it's a hell of a long commitment. Um, yes, uh, it's kind of a bit more flexible. Um, Stephen spends most of his time in, and he's, he's originally born in New York. So um, a few years back, he, he went he went back and he, and he was he was sort of commuting, but lately with COVID and all that thing, uh, you know, he's, he hasn't been in the country for a few years now. And um, yeah, so we kind of co- collaborate, you know, I kind of feed him the news stories, the ideas, and um, I kind of sort of co-write, co-write a little bit, uh, do all the artwork. And it's kind of a very sort of, after working together for so long, it's quite a dynamic process. Um, and uh, yes, so I get a, a sort of a, a very roughly drawn, he can draw, Stephen can actually draw quite a bit. So he does like a little rough storyboard script. And I, I work off on based on that. And I mean, the, the evolution of characters, I just love how, you know, Charlie Brown has never aged a day and Snoopy you know, has never got grey whiskers in the same way as little Tandy has never got a day older and, um, and Mother Anderson is still alive. Um, it just, you know, she's well pickled and well preserved. That's the wonderful thing about cartoon characters, isn't it? They are everlasting. Yes, I mean, they're kind of, that's sort of the cartoon universe. I mean, uh, you can't, I mean, some cartoons people do do sort of age and, and, and advance. I mean, Doonesbury, for instance, uh, that, that a political cartoon strip in America, all the characters kind of aged and advanced. But we kind of kept it kept it the same and it, and it worked. Um, yeah, the characters developed a little bit, um, uh, kind of, you know, attitudes and, and, and the strip sort of evolved with, 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 with the times. Um, certain of the things that, were funny or could be said or were 
uh, are kind of no longer funny now uh, for various reasons. And so, so the thing evolves, you know, I mean, over, over 30 years. Have you ever gone into trouble? Um, have you ever sort of found yourself at the receiving end of, of rage and fury? Or have you been able to read the changing mood and the evolution of the country to the point where you've managed to sort of keep ahead of, of overt criticism? I, th- I think we kind of manage quite well. We navigate that quite well. I mean, we also, we approach things from, uh, from a more sort of uh, charming, lighter side of things, uh, you know, as opposed to a straightforward uh, editorial cartoon when you, you know, when you get a lot more vicious. We, we, we generally are, are yeah, a little bit more gentle, charming, the character, and we try and make the characters lovable and still, uh, you know, even, even the, our sort of, uh, um, you know, corrupt politician characters, we try to make them human and, and, and engaging and, and funny in a way. So, so that always, um, and, and I think, yeah, we kind of learned how to do it and how to, how to work through. And there's always a few issues we, we always uh, were very uh, uh, kind of, um, careful about how we could approach because either we do not from our because i mean we basically you know uh, joburg suburbia so <laughs> you know and this is what we know well and we and this is where it's set and it's and and, and uh we kind of uh, write what we know in a way um and also you know kind of like 90s like some of the extreme violence and things we didn't you know there was not couldn't really do much humor about that um we struggled with you know the whole hiv aids uh the, mm. the Becky period so there's certain things that just don't work in our in our, in our environment. We just don't, you know, use for humour. What is the job of the cartoonist in South Africa? Where, how do you see it? I mean, um, we've got Zapiro, who is very confrontational each and every single day. He is in there, boy, taking the biggest news story of the day and, and sticks the knife in. Yours is a, a, a often as acerbic and cutting and as vigorous, but mostly it's, it's a sweet and charming play on, on some, of the, some of the big themes. Yes, I mean, it's a slightly different role. I mean, we kind of more of a storytelling thing, um, especially sort of the big weekly cartoon that used to be in the, in the Melon Garden, which is now the Daily Maverick. And that, uh, you know, it's a sort of a, allows us to develop a slightly, uh, you know, story, a character-based. It's generally, you know, uh, uh, always trying to see, okay, what characters can we use? I mean, we go off on all kinds of tangents. Uh, we kind of um, <clears throat> develop a space where we can basically do whatever we like. Um, in, you know, in terms of uh, how we approach things, but uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think, especially in the last few years, I think, um, you know, when the first lockdowns hit and COVID hit, and kind of, uh, you know, trying to find a lighter side to things, it was hard work. <laughs> it was extremely I'm hard sure. work, and it was quite exhausting. And you know, when those first first lockdowns, and, and you kind of, it was a little bit apocalyptic uh, with COVID, and then just trying to find the daily lighter side of things. And I think that's generally what we still do. Um, and and boy, do we need it! Um, I mean, I don't know when last you, you I don't know when last you did a mealy lady, but the mealy lady still brings a smile to my face because that's Mary suburbia for you. The Hardy Dar is, I mean, yes. hard, your Hardy Dars are hilarious things. I mean, they're the most frustrating and irritating birds in the world, but they're part of our landscape. They're part of suburbia. They're part of our lives. And no Zoom call is complete until somebody's had a Hardy Dar yakking in the background. Oh, absolutely. If I had if I had my way, that'd be the national bird, actually. <laughs> I mean, we didn't even get a little strip where, you know, Tanya builds a hardy dog clock instead of a, turns a cuckoo clock into a hardy dog clock, you know, and, and there might be a little business niche for that, although I don't think you want to be woken up by that.
Give it to people you don't like. Or, pe- or give it to your children if they need to get out of bed first thing in the morning. It'll get them up if nothing else does. does one, can one make a, a living out of cartooning, pure cartooning in South Africa? Um, one can. Uh, I mean, it's, 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 it's hard work. Uh, it, it, it's, it's getting harder with the, the, the sort of um, the way media is evolving and changing. Uh, I mean, that, you know, newspapers have been in, have kind of been in decline and uh, for the last decade or even longer. So it, it is tricky all, all over the world. It's actually become harder and somehow finding new niches in the sort of as, as media evolves is, 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 is difficult. And, you know, I mean, everybody from, from journalism to, you know, we're kind of part of, you know, especially our cartoon, you know, cartooning is, is a, a sort of visual journalism. And as, as all journalism is struggling, you know, it, it does as well. And also we found that um, over the years, especially in South Africa somehow, humor has become very, very politicized um, for obvious reasons. So there isn't very much room to outside of the space of, of actual political satire, you know, just to do like you would have in, 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 in Europe or the UK, you know, just, just funny, you know, humorous things to, to just, uh, you know, uh, cartoons or productions, or just sort of the New Yorker or Punch cartoon kind of thing. So there's very little space for that. And there's become a, you know, the uh, journalism publications have become very, very serious. And, and I always find there's a lot... I mean, I think we did rediscovering satire and then knowing that there should be a mix of some, maybe some lighter material. And I think, Absolutely. You know, the, old, the old days of the, the original Weekly Mail, for instance, had that really great balance of all these satirists and satire and Sapir and Derek Bauer and then we came and, you know, the, those kind of things. And, it, and, and I think that mix is a little bit lost, but we're always hard at work. And yes, and it, it's, it's, it's hard going and it's also hard, you know, you get, I get questions, you know, how do you start out? And I, <laughs> I have no idea. Um, I mean, I do, besides uh, the Madame and Eve strip, it's just one thing I do, you know, and I do occasionally, and I do editorial cartoons, I do work in educational, in the educational field. I love doing children's illustrations if I get the chance. Um, because, I mean, you've got a very clear space. A clear style. I mean, you know, when when I would when one sees a, an artist's work, you know that that's Rico's work. That's that's you know that's very clearly something that you've that you've drawn. And you do seem to have a wide diversity of stuff. Do you do you know, corporate stuff? Do you do that sort of thing? Because there does seem to be that sort of you have that bent. You come from an agency background, if if um, my understanding is correct. No, no, not from agency background, but I have worked okay. in, um, I've mean, worked for financial publications, I've done corporate communications, uh, you know, okay. just to, to, to and, and those kind of things. I've worked for several companies, just like science, uh, education, literacy, I've done literacy work, quite a lot of literacy work through an organization called Nali Bali, which encourages reading programs. I've created all characters for them. And yeah, I like to, do, I mean, my, my kind of rule of thumb in, 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 in work is diversified. And it's for two reasons. One is just for, uh, you know, economic security a little bit. You know, if you're too hitched to too few, too few uh, clients, you know, things can change drastically at the drop of a hat, as we all know. And also just for my sanity. <laughs> you know, if, I, if I'd have my head in the news space, in the editorial space, like 24 hours a day, I think I'd go crazy. So it's nice to, you know, just on certain days of the week, just put all of that aside and just do some really pleasant other things, you know. Rico Chachel. Rico Chachel is a cartoonist. He is best known for Madam and Eve, but he is diversifying. Um, we're going to talk to him about money in a bit. We've been we've poked at the bear of money a little bit, um, and we've talked about can you be a can you survive as a cartoonist? Yes, you can. Only just, but you do need to be quite versatile in the world of cartooning. We'll talk more about that in a moment. 
The Money Show. Other people's money. In May this year, Madam and Eve will be 30 years old. They don't look a day older than the day they were first drawn by Rico Chachel, who is our guest this evening. He started Madam and Eve alongside Harry Dugmore and Stephen Francis in 1992 and has been drawing ever since um, and on a regular basis and across different media and different mediums. But uh, the theme of Madam and Eve is incredibly, incredibly strong. Um, you've made a good living. Um, you're still doing it. So I'm assuming it's a good living. Out of cartooning for 30 years, Rico. I mean, it's, it's, it, you, you said, you know, people ask you how to get started. I've got a question from Tessa this evening who says, my 12-year-old, all she wants to do is draw. How would she get started? <laughs> that's that's the tricky part. I mean, the world has changed so much from when we we started. Um, you know, it's kind of obviously it depends what you want to draw. Uh, when, when I started, uh, there was no sort of cartooning schools, animation schools in South Africa. So I went sort of did the uh, graphic design, even studied a bit of architecture. And I just realized this was wasn't for me. And also, I'm, I'm actually not not. Not a, uh, in, in a sense, a, a good student, formal education, good student. You know, I kind of, I kind of one of these people who just sort of follows my and you know, most, mostly everything I do is all self-taught uh, from the you know uh, from the cartooning and the artist uh, side. So it, it's it's a tricky thing. I mean, you kind of like have to knock on a lot of doors. Uh, I always have, I always say that um, artists and sort of um, freelancer freelance artist cartoonists. Uh, one of the the, the um, most important skills you need is to handle uh, um, rejection well, because there will be a lot of it initially. You know, you just bump into uh, obstacles and, and just try and find your niche in the world where you can make a, a living. I mean, a lot of people, art, you know, cartoonists and things, that's it's sort of a sideline or there'll be a graphic designer as a full-time, you know, the, the day job thing. And I, I kind of was fortunate that I could make this my day job. Um, Many can't. Uh, you might think it's getting more the formal, uh, you know, employment kind of thing. But um, and, and things are so dynamic, uh, you know, with with uh, the internet and social media and, and where people are finding niches to create income streams and things. That um, um, I think there's a lot of opportunities opening up, but it's 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 so fluid that I actually I actually don't know. Are you an investor? Um, are you somebody who looks after money, grows money, makes money babies happen? Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> Money management and artistic temperament often don't go. To, uh, yes, I mean I do. I do have. I, I do save. I have uh, you know retirement annuities and, and those kind of things. Um, but uh, sort of uh, you know I don't. I don't have the sort sort of you know outside of what I do the attention span to 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 you know or, or the interest to actually do investing you know on a separate thing. So so no, not really. Um, I'll do sort of the formal things, you know, savings for retirement. And also the idea that you know, I'll probably be working cartooning for, well, probably not picturing myself actually for, uh, you know, formally retiring. No, and that's the the great joy of it. I mean, as long as you've got outlets for your work and you've got uh, people who want to see your work, well, long may it continue. Um, what do you spend money on? I mean, what what do you call you? You, you sit at a, a a desk with a with a quill pen, I would assume, with a, a bottle of ink, and you and you you sketch away. Is there any requirement in your life beyond new nibs and fresh bottles of ink? Well, a lot of it's, it's a lot more digital these days. So, um, you know, uh, so I, I still actually do draw with pen and ink, funny enough. Um, but a lot of the final artwork and a lot of the bigger project, all the coloring work, etc. Unless I have 
I do like children's illustrations of watercolor. Uh, most of it is um, uh, or finished or digitally. So you know, so it's sort of basics, good internet connection, you know, good fiber connection, all that kind of things. And um, I, I'm relatively sort of static in the studio. There's, there's people who work, you know, can actually can these days you can do illustrations with the iPad, you know. Um, but uh, no, I don't actually spend, we, we, we've, especially with the, the lockdowns and COVID, I actually don't spend that much money in it. And, and over the years, I, I've kind of uh, gone away from material things don't interest me that much, you know, beyond the basics and, and, and you know, that, that, that one, ooh, that car or, you know, those clothes or those shoes or, you know, that kind Isn't of Isn't it the great of, joy of getting a little bit older? Is those true? You realize just how... <laughs> meaningless those those trappings are you sort of you find yourself staring at a pair of shoes and going they want what and then you buy the exactly. crocs exactly no 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 crocs <laughs> draw the okay, line <laughs> you have standards you have standards yeah. you may be you may be sitting with your feet under your desk at home but you will not be humiliated if you drop dead one day and be carried out in crocs yes i don't want to be found in crocs no <laughs> <laughs> I have some good friends who love Crocs. So I'm, like, I'm probably going to get into trouble here. But, um, yes, no, but that, that is actually true in a sense that, you know, you see as for flashy things and you're going like, you know, I mean, I, I remember, I remember there was, there was a motoring show many years back on, 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 on 702 and they had a, it was a great question where somebody said, you know, what's the nicest car to own? You know, and they got, and I can't remember who the host was. And he said, a pay either car. Adam or Seggy in those <laughs> days. Yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. I think it was them, yeah. And I thought, said, yeah, that's actually so true. Um, um, so, you know, putting yourself into, into extremes of debt and, and, and um, uh, you know, to, to, to kind of, I've become quite conservative in respect. And, and if I have, if I have you know, if there's, if there's spare money around, I'd rather spend it on experiences like traveling, for instance. No, I mean, are you gagging? Are you gagging to travel? Are you gagging to travel globally? Which is which would be your dream trip if you could go next week? Where would your trip? Where where would it take you? Uh, Istanbul. Istanbul. That's, that's, yeah, that was a plan before. Uh, before oh, um, yeah, Istanbul, it's Turkey, Western yeah. Turkey, and some of the Greek islands, and. and uh, been been sort of to some of the Greek islands before. I mean, you know, I was fine with travel. It's always you go there first time. You suss out everything, and then you go a second time, and you're much more relaxed. And you can probably enjoy it, you know, if, if you can afford it. But I'm no, and, you know, and the nice secret. And and Turkey's become a lot more affordable in recent in, re- in recent years. The the Turkish lira has taken a lot of pain, and uh, you know one doesn't uh, wish ill on the Turks. But it, but as a South African, to be able to go to magnificent places and to be able to afford it um, is, yes. is is remarkable. And so um, Turkey does hold that promise for for us as South Africans as long as the flights open up. Um, and so that would be the big goal: no flashy cars, no big ambitions to to show off bling and uh, you know. Um, to have expensive, I don't know, branded pens and things like that. You are an artist after all. It is the tool of your trade. Nobody would hold it against you if you spent, I don't know, how much does a pen cost? A lot of money on a pen? No, not really. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, there's sort of certain indulgences, you know, nice, you know, occasionally nice food, nice coffee, you know, you know every now and then, you know, a nice, yeah, good, good pair of comfortable shoes kind of thing, you know, that they kind of are nice and... Nice clothes, but generally books. Both my, my wife and I, we read quite voraciously. So um, we actually we always thought if we ever have to move a house, it's going to be a nightmare trying to pack everything up, all the books. I still like actual paper, you know. Of course, proper books. Print, you know. Yeah. Yes, proper books. 
Um, also, because I, because I, you know, with the work we do, I, I, I spend so much time staring at a screen during the day. The last thing I want to do is when I relax and reading, stare at another screen. So I try to read actual books. Yeah.